Hello, and welcome to She Dynasty. I'm Valerie Moisel, and these are the women who rule. Hello, and welcome back to She Dynasty. I cannot express how excited I am for today's guest. I have the honor to be chatting with the legendary Suzanne Summers who's had the most incredible career as a TV star. We all know her as Chrissy Snow from Three's Company. I think that was my favorite show of all time. And then she went on to play Carol Foster on Step by Step. She was also the face, or should I say the legs, behind the thigh master in the 90s, which topped $100 million in sales, moved on to have a successful career in Las Vegas as an entertainer, She's a successful businesswoman and entrepreneur who also has her own line of beauty and healthcare products, and she's recently published her 27th book called A New Way to Age. And I believe that Suzanne is just getting started. Hi there. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you so much for for being on She Dynasty. So excited to have you. Thank you. I have to tell you, as soon as I heard that you were interested of being on my show, I mean, I think I screamed. I was so excited because I'm such, oh, a, thank fan. You. such a fan. So grew up watching you and um, just so, so honored to have you here today. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. So I've been watching um, a bunch of your Facebook lives with you and your husband, Alan, and I got to tell you, you guys are just so infectious. Um, <laughs> just your zest for life and just breaking down stereotypes of, you know, age are just so incredible. And, you know, I think so many people um, are looking, especially, you know, I'm in my forties. And so, so many people are looking to you know, influencers that kind of inspire them. And, you know, for me, a lot of the influencers I look at are younger than me, but, you know, I started watching you and I thought, wow, she's, she's who I need to aspire to, you know, this is, <laughs> this is what life needs to be about. You guys have it all figured out. So I really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, we're pretty happy. I, it's I, not, it's, it's not an act. <laughs> I can see that. So yeah. I want to talk about, I know you've got so much going on and She Dynasty is about, you know, a little bit of your entire um, journey of how you got to where you are today. And what I'm super excited about, because I grew up with you and I know so much about you and your life. Um, but, you know, there's a, a whole generation of younger people who listen to She Dynasty, who I'm super excited um, are going to learn about you and kind of everything that you have going on, because I think the best mentors are from different generations. So I'm super excited for them to learn about you. And I know you have a new book that's out, which we're going to talk about um, in a bit, because I want people to, you know, learn about that. But before I want to get just, you know, kind of a brief history of your background and just you growing up, let's start with, um, you know, when you were young, we love to ask the question, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up? Where did you start? What were the, what was the dream and ask, you know, ambition back then? Well, you know, I've written at least three books about growing up. It, it wasn't ideal other than I grew up at a, at a time in America, the 50s, which were, it was blissful. It was my three sons. It was, um, you know, mom didn't work and dinner was on the table kind of thing, except that my dad had potential to be great, but World War II came to so many uh, of fathers of my generation. And so 
before I was born, he was, you know, on a merchant marine ship in Japan and was in um, Nagasaki when they dropped that bomb. And when he came, when he left for the war, he had been scouted to be a professional baseball player. When he came back, he missed his window of opportunity. And uh, he took that pain away by drinking. And my father became a violent uh, alcoholic. And so that's all I knew growing up. I, I wasn't depressed growing up, but I was afraid because we had to hide in a closet at night to um, get out of his way. And we would hear these terrible noises coming from downstairs with him breaking things and throwing things. And my brother put a lock on the inside of the closet door so that if he did find us, he couldn't open it. But when we'd hear him come near that closet door, I remember feeling this tremendous fear. So I didn't... I didn't have any dreams of becoming who I became, but I used to have a vision. And I think this is important for your younger audience. What we dream about as children, we can manifest. We don't know that, but I used to see myself on a big stage and I was always trying to help my mother because I didn't know what to do for her. I felt so badly for her. And when I would be on this big stage, my mother would always be down in front and she was finally proud and she was finally happy and she wasn't the wife of the town drunk and uh, it gave us respectability. Well, cut to many decades later, I was headlining at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas right. and guess, guess who was down in front was my mother. But by that time, it was my father also because uh, he had stopped drinking after 50 years and they were both proud and happy that their lives had turned around and so you know when I look back on on what were the stepping stones I got the lead <laughs> this sounds so dumb in the high school musical Guys and Dolls and I played Adelaide and I am Adelaide if you've ever seen that musical and there was a guy his name was Walter Winchell and Damon Runyon, who wrote Guys and Dolls, um, based one of the characters on this famous uh, radio broadcaster who had a very specific sound and he wore a trench coat and a pork pie hat and he would start his show with a ticker tape. Who even knows what that is anymore? And you'd hear this tick, 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 and they'd be like, this is Walter Winchell. Right. And uh, lo and behold, on closing night of my high school musical, this man walks up on stage when we're taking our curtain call in a, uh, a, a trench coat, uh, a beige trench coat and a pork pie hat. And it was Walter Winchell. And he walked right up to me and he said to me, you're going someplace, sister. And so as a result of his uh, encouragement, I got a scholarship to college. Wow. And I was the first person in my family to go to college. Uh, but it only lasted a month because I got pregnant uh, the first time I ever had sex. And at that time, if you got pregnant, there was a term uh, where you had to get married and I had to get married. There's great shame around having to get married. Right. And so that stopped my ability to go to school and I did the right thing and, and I had the baby. 
the baby was sent to me, my son, to keep me alive because um, whenever I would, life seemed too difficult, I would look at him and I was going to make it for him. I was going to give him a better life than I had growing up. So there were a lot of things that factored into that. And when I um, left college, I had to find a way to make a living and I had no skills. And so I started working at a modeling agency doing, you know, the, I was the girl in the Chevrolet ad and I was the girl in the Marlboro cigarette ad that the cigarette was so long that it got caught in this in the store door and that was a campaign and and those jobs led to an extra role in this movie and an extra role in that movie until 1973. Three things happened in 1973. I wrote my first book of poetry called Touch Me. One of these extra parts led to my being uh, chosen by George Lucas, who uh, was doing a movie called American Graffiti. Right. And he hired me to be the mysterious blonde in the Thunderbird, which even though it was only one night's work, the whole movie revolved around trying to find this blonde in the Thunderbird. And then I was in love with Alan Hamill and I read in the trades that Dom DeLuise, who was a famous sitcom actor at that time, uh, was looking for a guest star for his show, and it described me. Small town girl, doesn't know who she is, doesn't know what she looks like. And I read that, and I thought, that's me. And also, if I fly to Los Angeles, I'll get to see Alan Hamill. So I called Alan Hamill, who I was so in love with. He said, I'll pick you up at the airport. And he took me to NBC Burbank. And ignorance is bliss. And when we got there, because I didn't know the rules, the guard at the gate said, why are you here? And I, I said, I'm here for the Dom DeLuise show. And so I, they tell me where to park. I um, go into the interview. I've never been on an interview like this before. And I just watch what the other girls are doing. So the other girls, all of who are much prettier than me, would come in, um, sign the receptionist uh, something on her desk, and then she'd hand them a script. So I did the same thing, and I got called in to read. And when I finished, the producer said to me, very nice. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I know, because I'm what you're looking for. I'm a small town girl. I don't know who I am, but I don't know what I look like. You were the part in real life. Yeah, I was, I was the, real, the real deal. And so he said, I'm going to give you a call back. I said, well, thank you very much. So I go out to the receptionist and I said, I've got a call back. She said, well, good for you. I said, what is that? She said, they're, they're going to call you back. I said, oh, when? She said, I don't know. I said, like today? She said, yeah, today. I said, well, where do I go? And now I'm her problem. And she's irritated because I don't know. And what she said next to me changed the course of my life why don't you go wait in the commissary? So I go over to the NBC commissary and it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm wait waiting there all by myself for them to call me back. And in walks Johnny Carson nice. and it's just him and me. And I'm thinking, oh my God, there's Johnny Carson. And he walks over to me and I'm thinking, oh my God, is he walking over to me? And he says, hey, little lady, what are you doing here? And I said, I I'd have a callback. <laughs> now you now I, where you knew the callback was. Yeah, I had some lingo. <laughs> and um 
So uh, what is it? No, I know Dom DeLuise and he's a good guy. I hope you get it. And so uh, all I had with me, because uh, I didn't have an eight by 10 at that time, but I had my little book of poetry. So I handed him my book of poetry uh, and I only had one credit in the back of the book and it was, she was the mysterious wand and the Thunderbird. So that was Wednesday. Friday of that week, I made my television debut on The Tonight Show. Amazing. And I had to write a bad check for a dress because I didn't own a dress. It was $75, but when you're, you know, uh, 20, you look good in everything. Right. And um, I'm standing behind that famous curtain and I hear Johnny Carson say, well, we've all been wondering who the mysterious blonde in the Thunderbird is. And I'm thinking, you were? I was thinking they really liked my poetry. He said, well, we found her. <laughs> the curtain opened and I walked out and the audience went woo and it scared me I didn't know because I hadn't seen the movie right and I sit down and he's asking me about the movie and when did I get to town and I was very literal I said today and he just loved me because I was a small town girl I didn't know who I was I didn't know what I looked like and so he started having me on every month. And pretty soon my little book of poetry became the number one best-selling book of poetry in America, along with Roderick Hewen. So when and, he was on the show, what was the reason for, to bring you back week after week for your poetry or to-, to Yeah, uh, because it became a comedy bit that I didn't even realize. He would ask me to read him a poem. And then he'd have an isolated camera on himself and he'd make all these sort of sad faces and and um, it, you know, they were laughing at my poetry, but at the same time, he was getting big laughs. So he liked to have me on. Well, one of those many, many times I was on, um, they were casting a show called Three's Company, and they had already hired two other girls, neither of which tested well with the audience. And Fred Silverman, who was the president of ABC at that time, said, I got the girl, I see her on The Tonight Show all the time. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, there was a lot of stumbling along the way and I make, I make my ascent sound real simple, but sometimes right place, right time, luck. And there I was and I get on this show called Three's Company to play, you know, America's Dumbest Blonde. But I under, I, I thought, wow, a dumb blonde is so irritating. How do I make her likable and lovable? And um, I believe that's what I accomplished. And to this day, people just still love that character. Yeah. So yeah, I, I remember kind of, growing up, I mean, it's hard for, you know, it's hard to explain to anyone who didn't watch the show what Three's Company meant to an entire generation. I mean, right. I remember turning it on I mean there was no question you were my favorite character I looked forward to your part you know it was just like epic and just listening to your story and kind of this little capsule that you have of like Hollywood history with you know Johnny Carson and Dom DeLuise it's just unbelievable to hear yeah you know to hear this so so incredible I, you know I hope those listening understand you know who these people are and how you know epic they are in shaping you know what's made kind of Hollywood today which is and at that time when you were watching it's not like today there were only three choices oh yeah ABC NBC and CBS today there is so much content that it will never be the same 
And so if I was going to be on television, I was on television at the perfect time in the history of television. So I don't think I'm an accident. I think um, I followed the, the flow of my life journey, um, not from any place of, you know, intelligence, just, uh, you know, it made sense to me. After six years of being on Three's Company, the number one show in America, I had the highest demographics of any female on television at that time. And then I was fired because, you know, my initial contract, I signed for anything. But uh, after six years, when you're on the number one show and, you know, a minimum of 55 national magazine covers every, every year, it was very uh, solid. And uh, so when I got fired for asking, because Laverne and Shirley had already gone in, and as I, my husband always says, they gave ABC a colonic. Uh, so when I went in, they said, we got to stop these women asking to be paid uh, what the men are making. Instead of of suing and getting mad and, you know, uh, going out there, poor me. My husband put his hands on my shoulder and he said, we're going to make this work for us. We're not going to work for anyone anymore. We're going to work for ourselves. Before you go on to that part, I just want to make sure I understand. So you actually got fired because you asked for a pay raise because you wanted to get paid as much as the men that were getting paid on the show? Yeah, the men were making on average 10 to 15 times more wow. than I was. And I was on the number one show. And um, I wouldn't say it was feminism at that time. It was, at, I felt this sort of outrage of well, I'm selling more tickets than anybody and isn't um, appealed. Shouldn't you be paid commensurate with the amount of tickets you sell, meaning how many people are watching? Did it take a lot of courage to do that? I mean, I know it was a very different time. So, you know, I yeah. think now it's easier for people, obviously, to, you know, speak up. But back then, can you just explain the climate and how much courage it took and bravery to speak up and ask for that? Because I don't think. Yeah. 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 And, and um, it backfired on me. The, uh, the American public thought, oh, here we thought Chrissy Snow was such a nice girl and here she is greedy. They portrayed me as a money grubber and greedy. And they had a whole uh, publicity campaign and I didn't. And so I decided to walk away from television. My husband went to Vegas and used my enormous visibility to get me a headliner deal at the MGM Grand Hotel Mm -hmm. Actually, more money than I was asking for on Three's Company. Okay. And in 1987, I was named Las Vegas Female Entertainer of the Year, along with Frank Sinatra, who was Las Vegas Male Entertainer of the Year. Oh, so these are, I mean, it's kind of an incredible story. Yes, this is an incredible story. And then I took to a live performance. I like, I just loved it. And when television started calling me back, I didn't really want to go. And then a show by the name of Step by Step came along, which um, that was Tom Miller and Bob Boyette. And uh, it was a sitcom where I would be married to Patrick Duffy, who was such a good guy. And so I got lured back to television uh, with that show. And I think that that ultimately was the right decision. It was time to go back and get that visibility again. So 
while I was, you know, in rehearsals for Step by Step, and I had, I can't remember, did I have five kids or seven kids? I can't remember. It was the first sitcom about a blended family, which I had already lived with uh, Alan's children and my son. I had a lot of free time in my dressing room because they had to have the kids be in school. So I started writing books and I wrote uh, my first book, which was uh, the book of poetry that Johnny Carson made famous. And then my second book was called Keeping Secrets, where I wrote the story of growing up with an alcoholic, violent father and having to hide in the closet and ultimately the triumph of our family that my sister became alcoholic and my brother became alcoholic and my younger brother became an alcoholic and a drug addict. And eventually everyone, well, my younger brother died, but my, the rest of the family sobered up and we triumphed. We went from the worst to the best and and then I became this famous person. And uh, sometimes when I look back on my story, I have to pinch myself. And then once you've written a couple of books, you can't not keep doing it. So today- Tell everybody how many books you've written because it's it's (laughs) astonishing how many you have. This most recent book, A New Way to Age is my 27th book. And uh, I've always got a book running around in my head. And I've been married uh, and with Alan Hamill for 55 years. And our marriage is, as you see on Facebook Live, which we do these cocktail parties every Tuesday and Thursday, and then I cook on Wednesdays. um, It's no act with my husband and I. We just are madly in love. Yeah, yeah, it's so authentic. And I, I highly encourage, I don't care what age you are there. It is so beautiful to see kind of the, the dynamic, the chemistry between you guys and how authentic it feels. I really encourage everyone to check it out. Definitely, definitely something. <laughs> Thank you. Well, um, you know, you always hear about what doesn't work. I like to put out there what is working, what has worked. And I uh, had a big mishap this year. I fell and broke my neck. And Alan has taken care of me in a way that I would have expected, but it is so tender. And so uh, uh, he's, he does everything for me. I'm just about on the other side of recovery from a broken neck takes a long time to recover from. Uh, but I'm almost there and I attribute so much of my healing to him and uh He's even figured out a way with a broken neck that we have regular sex. <laughs> I love that. Now you talk, you talk about that so often. And again, this is what I love so much about you and your authenticity and breaking stereotypes. And, you know, sex is something that even for me is, you know, difficult to talk about. Like I'm often like embarrassed to talk about it. And so when I see you do it so like openly and effortlessly, it's really inspiring. And it makes well, thank me- you. Well, one of the re- one of the reasons that I do talk about it is that so many of my books I've written are about um, replacing lost hormones that you you lose. Uh, aging. Uh, that's what this new book is about. Aging is about worn out parts, right. and um, what happens is we start declining. We decline in 
hormone production, we decline in nutrients, we decline in minerals, and the body can't operate without minerals. So I talk about a lot and, and write a lot about how you have to replenish and put back that which you've lost in the aging process in order to uh, ex extend your life, but with quality and keep your looks and keep yourself sexual. Like a, a, a healthy person is a sexual person. And that's really why I first started mentioning it because what's the last thing you feel like doing when you don't feel well, you don't feel like having sex. Yeah. And the fact that we're both hormonally balanced and that we do lab testing to see where our numbers are and we put back in exactly the increments that are individualized for each of us, um, we can operate as young people can. And uh, I don't think up until now that people who were starting to age ever realized that you could keep on keeping on, but there are things that you have to do. And so that's, that's why I write these books. And then I realized along the way that nobody had the backs of women. And I do. I went from doctor to doctor when I was in hormonal decline. And I was just so uh, disappointed. At what age does hormonal decline start to happen? What's like the average? Well, usually in your 40s, um, it used to be 50s. But now with the stress of today's world, and with the environmental assault, we are under the greatest environmental assault in the history of humanity. Our food is genetically modified. Most people aren't eating organic food. I do, I grow my own. Uh, the food is so important today uh, to stay in the game and stay alive and healthy. And so if you're not taking uh, excellent care of yourself. You can go into hormonal decline even in your 30s, but that's that's not as common as it is in your 40s. But you don't want to. He who keeps their hormones highest longest wins. Just remember that. So, so your book, A New Way to Age, um, is a series of interviews with doctors that talk about yes. tackling aging with a more yeah. approach, right? So, yeah. It's called fun functional medicine, and I interview doctors, scientists, and professionals uh, with no preconceived notion. I just start in, and I want to find out, like, what are you into these days? What's new? What's happening? What's, what's going on? And, you know, the thyroid kept coming up in uh, a new way to age, especially this Belgian doctor who's incredible. And the thyroid gland is like the orchestra leader, like Zubin Mehta at the symphony. And, you know, if Zubin Mehta doesn't show up, uh, there are a lot of musicians and they're all great players, but there's no one there to tell them what to do. And that's essentially what the thyroid, which is a hormone, does, a hormone gland, what, what it does to all the other hormones in the body. It tells estrogen, you do this, progesterone, you do this, testosterone, you do this, DHEA, you do this, pregnenolone, you do that. And everybody gets their assignment. But if the thyroid is not operating at optimum, then your whole hormonal system is off. Why do you care? Well, if your insulin's high when you go to sleep, you will gain weight uh, by not uh, eating. People go, I'm uh, unexplained weight gain. They don't know why they're gaining weight. They're not eating. Right. 
well, and then they, they have a lot of uh, heart palpitations and anxiety when they're sleeping. That's their adrenals are off. Mm -hmm. And then their cortisol goes high because um, they're not sleeping. And chronic high cortisol leads to um, heart disease, heart attack, stroke, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally, the thyroid is completely either high, hyper, or low, hypo. And um, now you're a mess. So all of, so, this, all of this is controlled by what you put in your mouth, what you eat? No, it is about uh, if you listen to the language of your body, mm -hmm. I call it the seven dwarves, itchy, bitchy, sleepy, sweaty, bloated, forgetful, and all dried up. If, <laughs> if any of those dwarves are talking to you, like you got an itchy leg, or you're gaining weight for no reason, or you can't sleep, or you have no sex drive, or or whatever, whatever your body's talking to you about, then it's time to get a lab work done. And my books tell you the right kind of doctors and the right kind of lab test. And then you put yourself back together again. And then on top of that, if you eat well and you uh, try to avoid chemicals as best you can, that's why I, I have a organic skincare, hair care, uh, color cosmetic uh, household cleaning product line because um, you don't want to get your body all cleaned out and then start adding uh, chemicals to it because you'll throw the chemistry off again. So that's a, that's a thumbnail of, of the work that I do in my books. But um, when you're there, you'll want to find this book. Sorry, Pardon you're, me? you're not a vegetarian, right? No. No, and not everybody should be. Some people do real well on a vegetarian diet. I don't. I, I like to have, you know, meat or lamb uh, at least once a week and chicken and fish. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I eat a well-balanced diet and um, organic uh, fruits and vegetables. And if you went into my pantry in my, in my kitchen, every, everything is organic. I don't have anything there that's not organic. And I think it's why um, I feel so good. And I like the way I look. I, I'm proud of my age. I always thought when I was- how, Tell everybody how old you are, because I'm not sure people know on my show. Okay, I'm 74. Unbelievable. 74, and um, I'm liking it. I always thought when I was in my 70s, I'd be old. And I am chronologically old. But you've seen me on my Facebook Live shows. Yeah. I'm not old. You're not you old. You know what I mean? I'm not old. Like I said, um, I really encourage everyone to go and watch because you just put out a zest for life that I think everybody should strive for. Like you are kind of the gold standard of what we all want to kind of get to. I think. Oh, I hope so. Isn't that nice? So is everything that you're talking about, is this all about the, you talk about the importance of keeping your insides young. Is that is yes. this kind of, this ties into that? Yeah. You keep, your organs and glands young and operating at um, maximum uh, health. And if your insides are young, then it manifests on the outside and you look better on the outside. So what is the hardest part about aging for you, if any? Uh, I don't, because uh, we don't know when our end point is, do we? Nope. And I'm so loving my life. I love every day. I wake up happy every day. I don't want it to be over. So I want to uh, stretch this out as long as I can. And so I do everything I can 
to have a long life with quality of life. You don't want to live a long time without quality of life. We see that all around us, aging people who are stooped over on their walkers. You want, you want to have quality of life. And that's what Ellen and I have achieved together. You have. All right, Thank I'm you. going to go into some quick rapid fire questions. Okay. What keeps you motivated every day? Um, people like you who appreciate uh, what I am uh, trying to do and offering to um, women and men who want to do it a different way than those before us. How do you define success? If you love what you do, you are successful. Any um, notable woman or female mentors in your life? My daughter-in-law, Caroline, who's the president of our company, mm -hmm. is an extraordinary woman, extraordinary wife, mother, cook, and um, runs our business. And she does it all seemingly effortlessly. I know she works hard, but she's just at the right age. She's 50 years old and beautiful and and she's got it all going for her. So I admire her. Beautiful. What keeps you up at night? Uh, not much keeps me up at night, um, unless it's my husband who gets <laughs> frisky. <laughs> and any advice looking back to your younger self? Anything you would have done differently? Yeah, I wish I had been able to see myself for who I was much earlier on. I had low self-esteem for the first half of my life. And I think that was because of uh, the constant degrade with an alcoholic father. Uh, and sometimes the worst things in your life become your opportunities. When my child was uh, five, he was run over by a car and given a 50-50 chance to live. Wow. In order, he had terrible nightmares after that. And I, I didn't know what to do. And I heard about the community mental health center mm -hmm. that charged you according to your ability to pay. And I went there and I met this social worker who charged me a dollar a visit for both of us. Mm -hmm. And that was my first foray into therapy and therapy was life-changing for me. Love that. All right, any advice to younger people kind of listening, starting on their career that, you know, are super, you know, entrepreneurial? I mean, you know, one of the things that we didn't get to talk about, but, you know, you are also a businesswoman. You have all of these products. And also in your past, you were uh, the queen of the thigh master. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about any advice you have for young people that are kind of starting out in business. Well, um, I only sell things that I love and that I believe in. And if you don't love and believe in your product, um, you'll never convince anybody to that they need it. I think in today's world, being an entrepreneur is uh, easier than it's ever been because of social media. And uh, I'm able to bring in hundreds of thousands of impressions with every show mm -hmm. that I do. And that's how I expose people to my over 1,000 products, organic products that I sell. Incredible. And how can people find your products if they want to go search them? Where is there a URL where they can find all your products? Uh, yeah, go to SuzanneSummers.com. And on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, go to my Facebook page yes. and Facebook. watch the show. Yeah. That's so great. You're creating your own, your own channel, your own network. And that's what we all can do now. It, yeah. the, this, this is a whole new ball game. It is. It absolutely is. 
Fantastic. Well, I still can't believe that I have the legendary Suzanne Summers on She Dynasty. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like a, a little girl who's uh, uh, a kid in a candy shop. So thank you so, so much for talking to us today. And I'm super excited again for some other folks who may not, you know, have been exposed to, you know, your work the way I have to learn about you because it's so important that your legacy and what you've created and the path that you've forged is is known to so many more people so thank you thank you Suzanne I love the of you thank you so much what a nice person you are thank you so much